Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of MGR Unplugged. I'm here with David, and uh, we have another full episode today. Lots of graphics, lots of things to discuss. We're going to discuss e-commerce, retailers, the reopening of the economy, and pretty much everything in between. And the closing uh, of retailers. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, this weekend is Mother's Day, so uh, happy Mother's Day to all the uh, mothers out there. Um, a little difficult this year to, to be together and to go out to you know restaurants or buffets or things like that, but... I'm sure we'll all be very, very creative and figure out something to uh, have fun. So um, let's just get started with the show. None of you people can tell me to stop. Lower the lights down. Hand over my crown. Hand over my heart. I do this for my town. I do this for my crowd. So turn me up real loud. My time. My time. None of you people can tell me to stop. All right. Welcome back. Uh, David, how are you today? I'm great. What are you drinking there? What is that? Uh, it's a new drink. I never had it before. This is my this is my first impression. I'm asking you because it's called Ugly. You want to you want a <laughs> quick twenty second review? Uh, yeah, it's called Ugly Drinks. He's Mr. DTC. Uh, I follow the founder on Twitter. I like the brand. I think they do a good job marketing. Uh, and yeah, I never, with the name Ugly. What is it called? Ugly. Ugly Drinks. Ugly Drinks. Yeah. Okay. Good. So much for uh, brainstorming names and things. Like that. Uh, I got their energy drink one because I needed the caffeine today. This is the first time trying it. This one's grapefruit. I got a variety pack because I never tried it. I'm not a big grapefruit guy, uh, but it tastes exactly like grapefruit water. So if you but like, but with with it's like a soda, right? It has fits and stuff. It's like a sparkling water, sparkling but it's a water. little more flavor than normal. Oh, right, so caffeine. No, no sugar, but 160 no sugar. Says, milligrams of caffeine. 160 milligrams of caffeine. So all it's right, like well, a healthier uh, energy drink. Hopefully, you'll be all perked up this morning. Yeah. I'll give my official review next week. Uh, but, but how I do you find out about these guys? You said Twitter. Players. Are they a new? I brand? follow the founder on Twitter. Okay. And he uh, he offered uh, I think it was like fifty percent off for uh, his oh, DTC good. folks. So okay. I said, All right, I'll give it a shot. Good deal. All right, so um, you know, D2C, so DTC people have to support other DTC people. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, as long as the brands are, are good. But yeah, it's good to test them. I mean, we we tested some coffee the other day. Um, yeah. Oh, I actually forgot to mention them on the podcast. Because I was drinking it, and we both were like, yeah, oh, yeah, this yeah. is really good. And I forgot the name of it. It has a funny name. It's Drink Coffee, Do Stuff, I think is the yeah, name Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. It's the best coffee. You can drink it black. If you can't drink a coffee black, in my opinion, it's not good okay, coffee. Okay, let's not get into that. But it's uh, very smooth. It's good. So we have one brand that is Drink Coffee, Do Stuff, and this one is called Ugly. Yes. So much for <laughs> names. <laughs> yeah, but that's how you stand out these days. Yes, yes. Hopefully for a good reason. So, um, yeah. So we are talking today a lot about uh, the economy, and we've been <clears throat> specifically the retail side because that's retail where we side and, and how things are starting to kind of um, uh, the dust starting to settle a little bit. And now it's been a full two months or even more, maybe about ten weeks of. Um, coronavirus uh, crisis or situation that we have. And uh, we went through a full lockdown, closed down, and everything now is starting to reopen. And every company started to make plans. Some of them are making better plans than others and all that. And we'll, we'll get into that a little bit. But specifically on the retail side, um, we have a lot of things to cover. Um, and it's funny because I was just looking at this graphic that we have there. And this is something that you sent out, I think, two, two three days ago with the weekly uh, e-commerce. Yeah. So for people listening or even watching, it's kind of probably a little small. <clears throat> Basically, I sent this out in my uh, weekly newsletter. And uh, I wanted to discuss the retail ramifications that are happening as it relates to Look at the uh, title at the bottom e of the retail. Yeah. My title was the, the retail apocalypse will bring the e-com boom. Um, and it already is basically, uh, but but it, for those who can't really see this graphic, what it's saying is um, this is from Credit Risk Monitor, which is a company that is a ratings company for retailers, mm -hmm. and they rate basically how likely a retailer is to go bankrupt based on their uh, current balance sheet, income statements, etc. Um, and so a one, if you have a rating of a one, it's the worst possible rating. It's a one to ten scale, and the number of companies that were rated one are JCPenney, Neiman Marcus, who at the time of this recording had not been bankrupt yet, about two days late, or I'm sorry, at the time of this writing, now they are bankrupt. Uh, Steinmart, Rite Aid, GameStop, GNC, Party City. Another one was J. Crew. They were also a one. They went bankrupt. So already, two of the companies that well, were on this list. Yeah, Neiman Marcus just declared or, or filed for uh, bankruptcy protection this morning. Right. Um, so, I, I honestly, that retailer, 
has been like kind of outdated in my eyes for a while. Uh, they were like a luxury retailer, but it was just a huge markup for things, and they never adapted to the younger audience. So, not really surprised. Um, but yeah, it's happening. I mean, a lot of companies are going to realize. We but even can't big make it. ones who used to be like another one is L Brands. L Brands yeah. owns Victoria's Secret, Pink, and uh, Bath and Body Works. Mm-hmm. Those are three brands that five, 10 years ago were very powerful, strong brands that did really, really well, had great margins, had lots of people shopping at them, and now they're on the verge of bankruptcy too. L Brands was going through, uh, they were trying to sell Victoria's Secret to, to a, right. a separate company to spin it off, and now that basically fell through because of everything that's happened. And L Brands, which you know five, 10 years ago was this powerhouse company that had these brands is now, facing death's door, basically, knocking on death's door. Right. I mean, I, and this morning, actually, we just had the latest um, unemployment numbers and another 3 million people yeah. or so, so we're filed up to for 33 employment. Million. We're up to 33, which obviously is but something... I mean, th- I mean, some of those employments would be recovered, but they... they yeah, but like... To put it very simply, there's about 180 million working Americans and mm-hmm. 33 million are now unemployed. Right. And so that's... But the other number That's too, basically a sixth or what is that? 17%, 18% of the economy. Yeah, we're going to be at 20 plus probably. But, but the other thing is that majority of these unemployed people today are in two or three industries being uh, yeah. hospitality, restaurants, obviously, and hospitality, and retailers. Yeah. Those are the major industries. I, I just listened this morning to another podcast, and I think I think I heard that 11 million people working hospitality in the US. So that's, I mean, yeah, uh, that's a lot of people that are basically unemployed or furloughed or something that they're basically not having um, work. And to make things worse, that's actually the industry that will probably take the longer or the longest to recover um, based on the phases that the government establishes. Because um, I, mean, I, I mean, they're saying, you know, like restaurants, we discussed that to death last week, and uh, we said, okay, restaurants are going to start opening, and they tell you you can only open at 25% capacity or 50% capacity. That's not viable for restaurants to open like what? Because right. if they Same tell you... Same thing with airlines. They were saying, oh, well, right. no middle seats. It's like, well, airlines go out of business if they don't well, sell middle seats. Well, they have two options. Either they double the chart, the, the prices to fly, which is going to be more expensive, but then uh, fewer people will be able to afford to fly, or they don't make um, the revenue or the profit that they're supposed to. So it's not viable for them to fly with only half a plane being full. You know, the trend has been to squeeze more seats and decrease leg room and everything to put more passengers on the same plane. And now they're telling them to do the opposite, which is basically uh, not feasible. So in a restaurant, it's the same thing. It's say you, you can open with, you know, more social distance and more space and, and, and only 50% of capacity or something. It's like they tell you, okay, you can drive the car now with uh, three wheels. It's like, okay, well, I can't drive the car with three wheels. It's just not feasible. So right. it's almost like, like might as well just stay close, you know. So in the retail, is the same thing. I mean, retail is, is also another challenge because they're going to have to have more, they're going to have to reinvent the stores and all that. And that's another reason why some of these stores are saying, okay, well, if I'm going to open now with more rules of the game I may not even I mean my margins before were so slim already um, I may not be able to reopen it may just be better off for me to file for bankruptcy and make a deal with my right I think that that the uh, commercial real estate uh, industry the owners of all these properties are gonna have to come to the realization that because basically they have two options. I mean, the current rents that most of these stores are paying, they just can't afford them. Because even if we reopen, like you said, and it's at limited capacity, they're not going to make enough money. They just can't afford it with the rent that they have to pay. And so they're going to come to the decision. The rent, or the real estate owners are going to have to come to the decision. Okay, do we basically accept that or we're going to have to cut our rent prices by 30% to make mm-hmm. it so these companies stay in business? Because the alternative is, okay, then they declare bankruptcy and close the store, period. So now you have zero rent. And it's not like there's new people running the open retail stores right now. So I think the property owners are in for a major wake-up call. And I think that the best choice for them, honestly, is to just mark down the prices of the rent rentals. Because what would you rather have? Basically, all right, we're going to cut all of our rent 
20-30% or half of our retail space just go to zero and by the way there's no one coming to replace them because those are kind of the choices it's mm -hmm. not an easy choice but I think that they're going to have to do that and so far they haven't wanted to budge and obviously I know con there's contracts and it's complex but at the end of the day if they can't pay if the, if the person renting can't pay no different than if it's a house or if it's commercial they can't pay they can't pay and I just think that there's if you have thousands of stores that basically close down it's not like those are just going to come back right away that there's new retailers coming in to fill those spaces well i remember we said a couple of weeks ago too when when we said that some of the uh contracts especially for malls shopping malls are based on the anchor um stores being there one of them being neiman marcus so if if this store disappears then a lot of smaller retailers that were uh feeding off of the customers that were going to Lima Marcos can say, hey, my, my lease is off now, my, my contract is off because my condition to be here was basically that I was next door to Lima Marcos, which is now going away. So I can basically break my lease. So that's that's the whole situation. But but one thing that I, um, I've i been thinking more the last week or so, or you know maybe a couple of weeks, is this kind of situation where we're getting back to normal if you will you know little by little uh, trying to say that we're going to reopen little you know uh, stores and restaurants and driving and going out and other stuff but it, it looks like there's another which i never expected it looks like now there's like another pandemic of fear with people like i i actually thought okay everybody's locked down in their houses and then as soon as the as soon as the government says okay we're kind of starting to face out and go out everybody will be like oh yeah let's go out and do everything but actually, there's a lot of people that are afraid to go out and afraid to go to restaurants, right, afraid course. to go shopping. Right, right. That's what I was saying, you know, a few weeks ago. I said, okay, even if we reopen things, that doesn't right. mean are people just going to be running to movie theaters. But, but I don't no, think not so. Not just the not just the people, the consumers, but also the employees. There are yeah, employees that are saying, I don't want to go back to work, and especially people that are in retail and in places like restaurants and things like that. I mean, there's rest, there's people that are work at restaurants that say. I don't know if I want to go back to my restaurant and be there with all these people that I don't know, and I don't know if I had testing protection. Uh, you know, all the the new uh, requirements to f make me feel safe. You know, so well, I mean, you go to a hospital or whatever, people are with all these PPEs and everything, and, and then you have all this protection, and then all of a sudden you're an employee, and they say, "All right, we're ready to get started or reopen next week." Uh, we're gonna have fifty percent of you guys come out. You know, each other at a time. We're gonna have fifty percent of people. Okay, that's fine. Let's traffic to a restaurant and all that stuff. But, but some people are saying no. I mean, like a mother may say, no, I don't want to go there. For one, they're collecting unemployment, which is a bonus these days. Right. And secondly, it's like I don't want to put myself at risk, and then maybe my kids, my house, and all that stuff. So, it's not that clear that people want to go back to to go out, you know, to normal and all that stuff. Yeah, you hear all the beaches are full and all that stuff. That's different. That's just people going to a beach. Um, biking and doing whatever they want but when it comes to going to public places i don't think it's that clear that a restaurant opens and then oh finally we are reopening no that doesn't mean that you're gonna have a people there and b any margins or profits or anything else the same for retailers and everything so it's a little bit of a question mark to me how that's gonna happen you know yeah i don't think people are gonna be rushing out i mean because even, yeah, I mean, there's just so many question marks because even like we said before, at the limited capacity, does it make sense for a restaurant to open if they can only have 40% capacity? Probably not. The answer is probably no. Um, same thing for retail stores. So I don't know. And then obviously the the bigger, even, the even bigger looming question uh, is what does the second wave look like? Once we reopen, yeah, well, how many another... people get infected? Because then if all of a sudden we see a massive spike and just tons of people getting cases uh, and then they say, uh, okay, we're going to have to shut things down again. I mean, uh, like, you know, the, the market's still being not up, but like not down very much and really mm -hmm. kind of almost fully close to fully recovered. 
doesn't make sense at all, especially when you consider that, like I said, we have like 18% unemployment now when we had 3%. Three yeah, well, ago. I mean, you know, the market is but, forward thinking, so yeah, there's not so much be, talking okay, about. Okay, but uh, forward thinking, I mean, Disney just basically reported numbers yesterday and it was, they're down like 70%. Obviously, theme parks and all that stuff, but they also expect, I mean, people forget about the streaming and all that that we discussed here too. They cut the dividend, by the way. So, but uh, for, I mean, the market, we already know there's a big disconnect. In fact, this morning, and we'll get into that a little later, but this morning, um, I mean, as of today, the NASDAQ index is up for the year, which is amazing. Obviously, it's most of the tech companies that are doing better than the non-tech companies. My, but my thinking is, if there's a second wave, and it means that we should kind of lock things down again and go into another basically social distancing, uh, whatever, I think that... If that happens again, let's say that happens in July or August, that's when the markets will completely collapse because the markets right now are betting on, okay, this was a rough few months, but we're reopening everything and things are going back. Yeah. And that's what the markets are betting on. But if all of a sudden we have to lock down again and say there's another, maybe come August, September, we have to shut down for two more months. I think the market. Yeah, I mean, collapse. I've been known for making the wrong predictions, but uh, I don't think there's going to be a second wave like the first wave. I Why think, not? well, well, for one, we know much. The first one was a surprise, so to speak. Um, right. Okay. The, the extent of the wave of the pandemic was a surprise, and there was a lot of misinformation on who was uh, saying what, when, and all that stuff. And there still is. But at least now we have more procedures in place and all that stuff. So if there is a second wave, I don't think it's going to be as bad as the first one. And secondly, now we're more ready. The, the world is more ready. Yeah, we're to, more ready. To implement but, things. But you can't. Like, I'm not, and first of all, I do think we should start reopening things. I mean, like, I think it's well, very... Uh, it gets to a point where, where no, of course, you cannot think... keep it closed for so long. I mean, the, the government can only print so much money. We're talking inflation, no, deflation. Uh, I mean, you can only, I mean, no, it talks I about we world living but... here on basic, I mean, most people are living on universal basic income, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, but that doesn't last. Exactly. Because that only, that only makes sense if you have production. But if you have no production, then it doesn't matter. Exactly. Money so so it gets to a point where you say, you okay, anything. right now, this is not sustainable the way we are. It, yeah, it may work for two months, 10 weeks, but then at some point, we need to reopen the economy and then deal with our consequences. And, and it's, it's some stuff because, okay, we will have a, a, a second wave. Well, the second wave, hopefully now we learn something from the first one and we can address it better. I don't think the second wave, is, if it happens, will be in the summer. I'm more concerned about the the fall winter season when you start oh, mixing with the flu. it'll definitely happen in the fall. Right. It's definitely going to happen. Well, yeah, that, that's known. But it, by then, hopefully in four or five months, we have some kind of medication that is starting to uh, work a little better. They're already trying more vaccines. The actual vaccine is not going to be ready for only for a while, but they're saying that they have some treatments. As long as the know, hospitals... The treatments have been kind of up in the air because even... Rem, was, was it called Remdesivir? Rem, yeah, Rem, yeah. But now how do you pronounce it? Uh, the wrong guy. I don't know. Anyways, I've, uh, I've heard it many ways. But it I'm, looks like that doesn't work basically, and that, uh, that was all a bunch of hubbub. But it's it doesn't. No, work. I mean there's another company that I was just looking this morning that that is also in phase two of the vaccine testing approved by the FDA and other stuff. So I mean, and this is just in the U.S. I mean, keep in mind Germany. I mean, every country, uh, China included, uh, are working on treatment slash vaccine. So the more time goes by, the more we'll be moving forward towards that kind of uh, solution. But Yeah, but I mean, I do think we should reopen things, but I think it's inevitable. I think the, the only way you should reopen things, especially if I'm a store and I want to reopen, I just, you have to make masks and gloves mandatory. I just think, because, you know, the thing that bothers me is things are kind of reopening. You know, I went to the grocery store a couple days ago and you know, for the last month or so, everybody's been wearing masks. Obviously, the employees are wearing masks, but I mean customers too. But this, for whatever reason, maybe it was just a uh, small sample size, but I was in the store and there were, I walked past, I don't know, five, six different people who had no gloves, no masks, no nothing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like, if I'm a grocery store, I would say you're not allowed in here if you're not I, wearing I think, a mask. I mean, I noticed that too, that a lot of people are starting to kind of relax their own discipline of yeah, saying but if we have if everybody it's so much easier to open the economy if everyone's wearing masks right but if if half the people just aren't going to wear masks including our president and vice president well yeah of course <laughs> but it, then it's gonna spread i mean it's it's I, I think it's really irresponsible if you're going out without a mask like i i think we should reopen things but we should 
have to wear masks and gloves, especially yeah. if you're going to well, like a place that's like a retail store. Yeah, I don't want you better be wearing gloves when you're touching stuff. If you're at a grocery store, please wear a mask and gloves when you're going through. Things. They're going to have to. Um, well, that's the other thing. I mean, uh, I was just looking at retailers and hotels, uh, restaurants, and there's tons of um, proposals out there of how the uh, restaurants and the hotels and everything will have to reopen. And obviously, it's not, you need to make the, the guests or customers feel comfortable going out. I mean, some restaurants have made a killing, actually, during the uh, during these times with uh, takeouts and adapting to uh, food orders and all that stuff. But um, obviously, hotels are mostly shut down, if not completely shut down. And uh, Jesus, I fly here. Um, so, but the thing is, you know, most of these places we're going to have to, uh, they're already adjusting. I mean, I was just reading this morning that all the major chains, I'm more concerned about the smaller boutique hotels that are going to have to fork out a little money to, to change their structure. But some of the um, major chains are already saying, okay, well, like the Marriott's and the Hilton's and all those are, are saying, okay, we're going to have to adjust how people check. Basically trying to make as little contact as possible, like, like contactless uh, situations where the guests can just check in with their phone. Uh, they open the door with their phone. They don't have doorknobs. They order food. They the food comes sealed. They have there's no buffets or anything like that. The food comes all packaged and sealed. And, and I, I just learned too that the food apparently is not a uh, at risk for the virus basically. So that's a good thing. I I yeah apparently a food is not is not contagious. So the virus doesn't attach to food. And they said that and, and what. They, I, that doesn't I'll, make any sense at all. So it attaches to human what? skin, but not animals. No, because I mean the virus member needs to attach to your DNA, to your to your um, to the RNA, basically. So when you have food, to inf mm, yeah, but it, it can doesn't still survive. Live, it can still live on surfaces. Surfaces no, don't have no for RNA. very long. I don't know. You can research that, but I just basically. I mean, it lives on plastic for up to three days. Plastic mm. definitely doesn't have RNA. I don't know. Um, all I, I don't know you said that. I don't believe that. At well, it was a restaurateur that is pretty famous. Oh, I, I, a restaurateur. Okay. No, no. I, I'm not going to say the name, but it's basically known uh, that the virus doesn't attach to food. It doesn't live on food. And then in packaging, they say it's 99% risk-free. So when you have food that is sealed and packaged and delivered to you, yeah, but, it's, okay, let me ask it's you pretty this. safe. If you go to a hotel... And you basically go to this hotel, you have to isolate yourself. You have to get packaging in your room. Oh, you know. have to, like, you have all these stress and procedures. I, I, yes, I understand then what you're why saying. Why would I go to a hotel? Well, I mean, sometimes you have to travel for business. And, yeah, and I say, think there's going to be no business travel this Oh, year. I don't know. I mean, that's... that's why, why would anybody go do business travel when you can just have a conference call right now? I mean, you can just do a Zoom Because call. people like to travel and like to... Yeah, people like to travel when it's good and fun, but it's not fun to travel right now. Well, I mean, but that's adapting. I mean, I don't say you go to a hotel and you have different... Frankly, there's things that hotels were doing before that I didn't like at all. I mean, like, you go to fitness rooms and things like that. And uh, we have a fly in the studio. I know. Our, uh, and our he really team. likes you. He hasn't been bothering me, so I'm not yeah. complaining. Yes, well. Um, so, so no, I mean, there's things that hotels are going to improve. And I think, I mean, like I said before, the, the major chains are going to be able to do it just fine. <laughs> do you want to take a break and kill this Let fly? Let me kill this fly one second. <laughs> we'll be right back. All right, welcome back from this. Um, I, I uh, slew the dragon. So, so the fly was another victim of the uh, coronavirus. Uh, yes, market is a coronavirus death. Yeah, exactly. It went from life to death right away. Extreme case. Anyways, uh, we were talking about the. Um, uh, you were saying, okay, why do business people or business travel will come back or I, travel for that matter? Yeah, travel. Obviously, there's vacation travel and business travel. Vacation travel is what I was saying. Where okay, if it's gonna be so stressful and you're gonna be isolated and no buffets and no pools and no it's like well that's half no the not necessarily travel. i mean it's not going to be that strict i mean it's going to be basically for, for what i've read and this is just actually this morning for the big hotel chains obviously this the independent hotels are going to have to figure out what to do uh but for the bigger hotel chains they're saying like the marias and the hiltons they're saying they're putting some guidelines which obviously need to be implemented but they're saying okay well the rooms are going to be much more um, minimalistic. You're going to have so many decoration stuff, so many touch points. You know, like you're going to have minimal stuff around the rooms as far as menus and things that could be more potentially transmitting the virus. The uh, 
the soap dispensers and other stuff would be like almost touchless like you just like you do in some places like you just get your hand and then you touch mm-hmm. stuff you don't have to touch anything you can actually select the type of room service that you want as far as housekeeping you know you can say don't touch my room from the moment i come in until i leave if i'm here for three four days i'll make my bed whatever obviously it, I like to see they're going to give you a price break and you are doing all your stuff yourself. But uh, basically, you can say nobody comes to my room outside of the people that I want to, you know. So you can select the level of housekeeping and room service and stuff that you want. You can order your food to come to your room and it comes completely sealed and packaged as you do now with with any of the food delivery services. Um, You go to the pool, there's going to be social distance. Obviously, you're with your family. You don't need to keep social distance with your family. It's between nucleus of families and other people you know so no i know that in the water do, in the pool is fine i know that they're gonna take all types of measures i'm right. saying that is that really fun to be on vacation and having to constantly think about protocols and measures that you have to go well through? i mean it, it, i don't th- i mean i think it's just uh people adjusting you know i mean uh, it, you have the option of not going on vacation or being in your house or going to a park and they're also promoting much more um, staycations. A lot of people, they're even saying that vacations this year, well, first of all, in all European countries, they are telling people to stay home, to stay in their cities. Right. You can vacation in your city, which obviously is fine. I mean, some people live in better cities than others to go on vacation. But they say the, the term staycation that we use here in Arizona a lot is going to be about, become much more common because they're asking people, for this summer, forget about traveling. You're going to have to stay within... At the most, you're going to go to your second residence. You have a little house in the mountains or something, you know. But um, that's the thing. The other thing that I was just uh, looking is that people are actually thinking, okay, you're going to be within a 300-mile radius. That's kind of like the driving distance because flying is going to be either too expensive or impossible or limited. So they say, okay, driving your car, 300 miles, that's basically five-hour drive, whatever, and then um, go somewhere and I actually thought that the Airbnbs would be more successful than the hotels because if if I go to a hotel, I have many more. I didn't, maybe I mean. Well, I mean, my thinking, and and we've been to tons of these of both places, and uh, Airbnb, yeah, you have the contact with the person in the beginning. They give you for a whole, whole house. I'm not going to talk about sharing a room or sharing a house, but for a whole right. a whole apartment, <clears throat> you rent it for like um, a week, and then you bring your family there. And that's your apartment. Uh, you clean it. You do everything. Yeah, maybe. And, and you don't have to worry about anything else. Other guests coming in or touching or whatever. You know, so once it's yours, it's yours. Yeah, I so, would... Yeah, if I'm thinking about it, I'd probably rather stay in an Airbnb. Right. That's my point. That I, as much as the Airbnb people are super upset because the company has not been very um, responsive or helpful with the hosts. With In fact, some of the hosts yeah, are actually now... I, I think the hosts are being a little entitled. Yes. I think they are, that they're act, like everybody's affected. It's like, listen, nobody's traveling. So what do you? What is Airbnb supposed to do? Airbnb well, the, the really main, is a with, marketplace. Without kind of getting too much into that, it was mostly about the cancellation fees. There's cancellation fees yeah, I that know, I know. the hosts... Normally, I mean, yes. Those people are business people too. They, they have their, their mortgages to pay and all that and, and all of a sudden they have cancellation fees and then Airbnb basically waived any fees or anything for people that were canceled because of the I coronavirus. Get it. I get their complaint, but at the same time, the cancellation fees are for normal circumstances where the person I cancels. I understand. But if they're forced to cancel because there's a fucking sure. pandemic, well, what is the customer supposed to do? Right, you know, right. Hotels had to do the same thing. So right. I think that I think that they're being a little entitled, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, no, that's fine. That's but, fine. I don't want to get into that. But, uh, <clears throat> but I agree that if I were to travel now and say, okay, let's go a week to uh, whatever, to the beach somewhere, California, whatever, um, or the mountain, I'll, I'll look for an Airbnb little yeah, cabin go Airbnb, and obviously. then you know select a nice host make sure the harvest is clean and then obviously viruses in surface on surfaces only last for so long and then you go to the house and then okay now it's my house i'm gonna clean it up nobody else comes in you know so <clears throat> but in the hotel it's a different experience so the hotels are trying to become almost like multiple airbnb nucleus where you can have people that are staying in the hotel they go to the pool but you don't have to have a lot of interaction with other guests you don't want to the restaurants are going to be very limited with spacing and all that stuff uh then you can have room service the pools and all that stuff they can be spacious i mean the water is fine so i mean i think they recover but it's going to be if anything i think they will become much more creative and some of the hotel chains that are more forward thinking and they work for the business traveler i'm thinking more like maybe values and things like that or even 
Aloft and all this, they were more minimalistic, and Aloft doesn't even have restaurants. So <clears throat> all those that are like modern hotels that just say, okay, you stay here, it's business, you have internet connection, you have everything you want, but it's fine and nothing else, you know, and you can do everything automatically, I think those will, will recover faster. Now, <clears throat> the independent little boutique hotel that still uses keys or cards or things like that that have a lot of contact and all that stuff, those may have a little harder time convincing guests yeah. to stay there, you know. So those are gonna, and, and obviously the owners are gonna have to decide, do I keep it open? Do I invest into this new wave? Because what is clear is that this is not gonna be just two, three, four months and we're back to normal. That normal is not gonna no. happen. This is just moving forward. No, I this think is the way things are gonna like go. on the restaurant side, I think that the innovation <clears throat> that I've seen that was already happening a little bit, but now it got way accelerated because of this, Besides the delivery, obviously, is the main thing. But uh, the, the main innovation I've seen, and I think that there's tons of opportunity here and that there will be a major company uh, to be made if they can figure it out, which is basically people... You know, people like cooking and, uh, and that's fine and they don't mind cooking from home. But a lot of times, you know, I cook for myself most days, but a lot of times it's just I don't feel like making anything. Mm -hmm. no, you know, I, I want something different. Uh, and I'm sure that's the case, for, especially if you have family. You know, obviously I'm just cooking for myself, but if I had to cook for a whole family every night, yeah, I'd be tired. I'd be exhausted from that. Uh, and so a lot of people are doing delivery, but I think the, the next evolution beyond just that, because the delivery, the problem with that is it's very expensive that the, you have to pay a delivery driver to do that. You have to, the restaurants have to give DoorDash or Postmates or whoever their 15% cut, and you have, right. It's, there's lots of expenses that go into that. Uh, and then on the customer side, cause right now these apps are surviving because or basically thriving because they lose money and because the customer isn't paying uh, the full rate that it actually cost them. But if in the future, if it realistically costs like seven, $8 for a delivery of a $15 meal, I don't know how many people are going to want to pay that because that's probably the real cost. Even if they offer free delivery sometimes or like four or $5 delivery, the real cost is like seven, eight bucks. But think about it this way. <clears throat> but let me let me finish let me finish because that is a constraint right if you're buying something for 15 and now there's an eight dollar delivery cost on top of that that's that's a lot um but then the the evolution i've seen is that lots of restaurants are now working on basically pre-packaged meals so it's still made by a chef and they're made from their menu mm -hmm. but it's pre-packaged it's almost like actually a little different but almost like blue apron back in the day which you know they kind mm -hmm. of rest in peace they still exist but they're like down 99 yeah. from their highs um but it's like pre-packaged food where basically it takes like five ten minutes to to reheat and do whatever you need to do uh and then it's ready to go and you have like a full restaurant meal at home and I've seen lots of restaurants try to do this so that it's not just delivery, but, oh, you can buy these prepackaged right. meals. Obviously, that's the And goal. I think that if a company can come and basically offer that as a service, because the problem is if you're an independent restaurant, now you got to find a, how to do this. you got to find packaging. you got to coordinate. No, but I mean, they, they but if you can have a company that basically goes to the restaurants and says, okay, we'll do everything for you. You give us the recipes and the meals and everything, and then we'll pre-package and do all the the logistical side for you that the restaurants don't want to bother with, and then obviously we take a fee. I think that there's a real business there, and I think that that's something that we'll see grow. A couple of things there. Some of the uh, restaurants are already doing that. Yeah, they um, are. I just think they that are... it's not being done at a wide scale right that it could but, but that's like everything some restaurants are just saying okay we're gonna shut down for two three months and fire employees and then they're gonna have a hard time getting them back because of the unemployment thing they also the over challenges the uh, the uh, uh, companies including hospitality or restaurants that apply for the uh, ppp or the paycheck protection program and they get the loan from the sba they are supposed to use the money obviously to keep their employees that's what it's for to be forgivable so, but they're supposed to use it by June. They don't know if they can open by June. So if they don't open by June, right? Um, then, or they get, and, and then, like I said before, they're trying to get their employees back and they're saying, well, I'm not sure if I want to go back because- Well, but what I'm saying is- But, but that's one point. But let me get back to your point about the uh, packaging. Some of the restaurants are actually adjusting and, and saying, hey, you know what? Uh, we're going to offer a food to go. And they actually reshaped their, their dining rooms into a food packaging section. Yeah, exactly. So so what they do, they have their kitchen, they have their chef, they have whatever staff they think 
based on demand, and then they have a whole packaging section in the in the dining room normally just to get the full uh, well, whole package and sealed. Here's the thing too. The benefit of this, there's two main benefits. One, selling packaged food is more profitable of than selling these meals because for various reasons. Because when someone comes in, you know, inventory is a big deal for restaurants, and a lot of times they end up with unused inventory. But right. if you can package that into meals, then you don't have to worry about that as much. And then two, it's much more scalable. As you know, and we've said mm -hmm. many times, people only buy from restaurants within a few miles of right. where they live. Right. But if you are a restaurant that now can package food, you can sell to anybody in your city, anybody right. in your state. You have much wider range. So even if they have to open with 50% capacity and they say, okay, I have 50% and they're going to make a profit, but you need to open with a with an open mind and saying, okay, now I'm open for business. And then, yes, I can only get 50% of the people in my dining room at the same time. So maybe I get, if I normally I get 50 people a night, maybe I'm going to get 100, like two, two, turn, two shifts or whatever, uh, an hour, whatever, maybe 150, whatever. It's 50% of what you used to, but the goal is to get the other 50% to order the food to go. And then you have a system in which before maybe you didn't even offer food to go. And, right, and, but or or for sale, and now you're offering, you're basically changing your business model to say, hey, we we have dining or order to go, and to let me to your point of um, the cost, you saying, okay, well, the, the delivery of the food is seven eight bucks, which is kind of expensive. This, okay, well, think about the whole thing. If you go to a restaurant, you go together, then you drive whatever 10, 15 minutes to go to a restaurant. That's the time and expense and fuel and other stuff. I know. No, then I you go understand. to a restaurant, then you pay food there, and then you pay a tip. 15, 20% if you are normal tipper, um, come back and all that stuff. So you, and then you have the restaurant experience of being out of your house. But really, you get out of the house and you eat out. Now, you like the restaurant and you say, you know what? I like the restaurant. Uh, maybe I just get a movie at home and then just order the food from the restaurant I like, from the chef I like. And it comes perfectly packaged. And yeah, you're going to pay seven bucks for the delivery, but you're saving those seven bucks in fuel, tips, this, that, and the other. So, I'm not disagreeing. So but you're I'm saying the, that. The, the cost really. Um, balances out. I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing, but I will say that uh, the delivery costs, you know, there's a reason why Postmates and DoorDash and all these companies compete on the lower prices because the higher price really is a friction point because people will maybe pay four or five bucks for delivery, but if now it's eight, I think a lot of people will not pay that. And you can, That's, because it, a lot of it is perceived value too. Because when you go to the restaurant, like you said, it's like you're going out, you're doing this. But, you're just getting food delivered to your home and now all of a sudden this meal costs $23. There's a lot of food that you can buy for 23 bucks uh, rather than one single meal, you know? Right. But, but there's, my point <clears throat> was on the packaging side, if you prepackage the food, then the delivery fee is much cheaper because you can ship it basically instead of doing... Uh, mm -hmm. delivery, delivery where you're paying yeah, someone. Just, and yeah. then on top of that, like I said, it's much more scalable. So you don't have to just deliver to people in a small radius. You can send to anyone in your city instead. That's the point of the pa I would, package. You know, if it were me, and I'm not into a restaurant business at all, but if it was me and I had a normal traditional restaurant that people come in, order, sit in, eat, and leave, and all that stuff, more or less successful through the week, weekends, and all that, I would probably... Um, figure out a plan where I, I'm going to have about 50% of the business for now that is dining in and then the other 50% or 40 or 30%, whatever it is that is going to be to, to go. And I'll promote that to the people that are right, coming no, in. But let me, let me finish. I promote that to the people that come in, but also start offering some kind of membership plan, like my restaurant Amazon Prime membership offer where it says, hey, you order, you pay this annual fee, and then you get free delivery of your food for the entire year. Guess what? When I have an order, I'm going to go to restaurant A, which is going to charge me five, six bucks, or restaurant B that I'm already a member, and it comes free. So that choice all of a sudden becomes more uh, steered towards that restaurant. So, so even though I'm losing money maybe with the delivery, I'm earning money because that guy is ordering from me 10, 12, 15 times a year versus maybe just randomly selecting me once every six months because he's rotating between many restaurants. So you can create a lot of loyalty plans or things so people order from you on a weekly basis, just like you like weekly to get Chipotle or whatever. If you have a nice, more upscale restaurant that you like and you say, you know what, it's only 50% and I already called and they are booked for this weekend or whatever, but I just... Or just order to get home, and then I'm a member, and or whatever. I'm not disagreeing. Plan. I'm just so saying you you can be I, creative. I think the the <clears throat> productization of what they sell 
is really what the most innovative restaurants are going to do. Because then once you have a product, instead of just people having to come in, because to go and take out, that's been around for a long time. That's not an innovation. It's just that a lot of restaurants, obviously, you don't do takeout for fine dining. Okay, that's not normal. Now, no, you this, do. Well, okay, I'm saying normally it's actually seen because before it used to be takeout is like takeout. It's not high quality food. It's just takeout. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, because of the crisis, they've changed their rules and they will do takeout. But I'm saying beyond takeout, I think that the packaged meals is a real, real opportunity because then you're a, you can be a high uh, uh, whatever. I mean, not a Michelin star restaurant, but whatever, any type of high class restaurant and then sell these prepackaged meals because that's a product and that's so much more scalable. Well, that's gonna and like I think that that can be a real revenue driver for them. And especially right now where, like we said, they're going to be a 50% capacity that selling these packaged meals is a real opportunity. But are they packaged um, like frozen or how? What do it you depends do? on what it is. Because that's what loses to me. I mean, I don't mind ordering something and then the restaurant says, Okay, it's something, something from a limited menu and then, or it's to like, go menu. It's like and then they s like lots I understand, of people do but meal prep, and all you do is basically everything's done and cooked for you, and then basically you have five minutes of prep and you're ready to go, and you have this beautiful restaurant meal but in then, five minutes. Okay, so, so, but that's, I thought you were talking about packaging, you can ship it. What yeah, do you mean you by ship shipping it? it? How do you ship it? I mean, you put it in a UPS to go to another place, or, or yeah, is it within? Yeah, it depends on where the person well, is. Well, then, then the food needs to be somehow frozen or preserved because it's not packaged food. So yeah, well, I understand, but that, that loses on what the food is. But that loses the freshness. I mean, yeah, of course it loses a little bit. Yeah, I know. Quite, I mean, then then it's a big stretch because I, I think I'm telling you it's happening, and I'm telling you that this is going to be a major thing. I don't know. I, I mean, I'll say it right now. No, I know, but I I, I know like I, I guarantee you that two years from now, almost every successful restaurant will have a packaged food as a part of their offering that they sell on the side to as supplemental income. I guarantee But that's it. not going to be for the local uh, person. I mean, maybe that's they have a point. website. That's my point, because it allows you to scale. If you're a restaurant, you have such a limited customer base, but if you sell prepackaged foods, then you have a much wider customer base. So, okay, base. so let me ask you, how, how do you come across that restaurant? I mean, if you, let's say that you... Well, it's like anything. I mean, there's different opportunities. If there could be a marketplace where in the same way you can go on DoorDash and see all these restaurants that deliver, I can go on whatever, package dash, and see all these prepackaged meals from all these restaurants. You know, there's there's opportunities for that. Restaurants can just market it themselves. I mean, I would only do that if I travel to um, a city on vacation or whatever, and I go to a restaurant and say, man, that, that whatever that I ate there was fantastic. Yeah. And then I find them, and then I have that shipped to me. But then you have to plan ahead. If it's like a shipping, like a UPS, it's going to be in two days. It's not going to be like, I need to plan for this weekend. It's a whole different mindset for that, which is fine. I understand that's a business model, but, but it's you're not, not a foodie. You uh, no. people love food. No, I, know you I understand. Don't love food, no, no, I love food too. But I, I love food when I want it. I don't plan food three days ahead. A lot of people do. You know, people plan trips around uh, going I to a certain. I understand. I understand. But like, like you said, sometimes you're at home and then you're at work or whatever, and you come home or whatever you're doing. Say, you know what? I don't feel like cooking now or anything here. I'm gonna call by favorite restaurant and back in the day you say you just show up hey buddy i'm here for dinner whatever you know the waitress and other stuff you stay there or you go to your favorite restaurant and have dinner uh now you can't maybe it's booked maybe you you don't have a reservation or something you order the same food that you like and they deliver it to you in half the an problem hour with the delivery for the restaurants is that it's not profitable because the door well, dashes and postmates take so much of a cut. Well, that's fine. I mean And but the prepackaged food is. That's my point. I understand, but it's there's pros and cons to both options. Of course there's pros and cons. But of course of course buying prepackaged food is never gonna be as good as going to the restaurant and having it. Maybe fresh maybe cooked. if I'm a successful restaurant, I offer delivery from my own people within a five mile radius of my restaurant. I don't need to get door dash or whatever. If yeah, I have a guy that I'm do paying that, but that's not easy because you need the demand for that. If you're gonna well, have someone full time delivering and then you probably need more than one person depending on that's there's a reason why they use DoorDashes because I understand it's basically uh, uh, as DoorDash has a mega network and then it's you get them as you need it but if you have two hours where you don't have any orders for delivery and you're paying a dude 15 no, bucks an no, hour you don't pay a dude I mean in the pizza places you have basically with pizza for deliveries you have guys that are there cooking yeah because they have enough demand because it's right. like dominoes and people order pizza right constantly. I mean there's different but if you're options. a restaurant it's different 
Well, I, I don't and know. what happens if you have one guy because normally you get uh, three orders an hour and the one guy can deliver those. But what happens if you get 10 orders in an hour? Then all of a sudden well, you don't have enough you, people. Well, then you help DoorDash all those as a backup. But you can, okay, but you can get, I mean, it's no different than I can deliver something or if I have time, I just basically. Trust me, if restaurants could deliver themselves and cut DoorDash out, they would, but they can't. That's well, the they can for certain things. I mean, they in some cases they may say, Hey Johnny, you're free now. I just dropped this off three blocks from here, and uh, I mean, as you know, you you also um, know what we were ordering things from local um, sub shops. I think it was whatever that they offer their own drivers. Um, wasn't it like sub, uh, some do that? Like Jimmy John's does that. Yeah, exactly. But Fire, those are, firehouse or something. But was that's doing like, something like that. That's like. But no, most of them still use DoorDash and Postmates. No, obviously those guys are. But either way, I mean, I don't care if if. Uh, isn't but those different? are not restaurants. Those are yeah, basically food places, chain whatever. Right, right. I'm talking about but a restaurant. Even even if I'm a restaurant and if I'm ordering something from a restaurant, it's like whatever, fifty bucks, sixty bucks, a bottle of wine, my favorite soup and dinner and steak or whatever. And it comes to all packaged nice, just like a room service type thing that comes to my house. Okay, room service, you also pay this gratuities and all that stuff that are involved. So, okay, I'm ordering that. I, I'm, I'm paying extra for convenience. Uh, maybe the restaurant says, okay, food delivery is a little more expensive than having dinner here, but you're saving on tips and all that stuff. And then guess what? If, if, uh, if I'm paying 15% I'm not of food delivery, the, I'm not saying the maybe delivery we split the bill. You is, know? Doesn't, isn't good for the customer, but I'm saying for the restaurant, no, I'm saying it that, is not profitable. Okay. It's well known. Either that or restaurants are just going to have to increase their prices. And they say, okay, this, price, this meal at uh, our restaurant is 20 bucks but if you want it delivered it's 25 I, i'm thinking 30. i think you're uh, making a bank statement as far as not profitable it's not as profitable it's i'm telling you i mean a no, lot of restaurants but, lose money on doordash just yes, so they get customers i know david i know but you also need to understand that when you have the business model you organize it like that you don't need the full staff you don't need i know and i'm not gonna name the restaurant because it's a major restaurant in chicago but very famous that during this time has been delivering foods and they decided to do, hey, let's just do food deliveries. They started with 200 a week and then they went to 500 and they went to, they'd be doubling, doubling, doubling to a point that they've made six figures during this time with basically half of the staff and they made a living because they realized that a lot of people like their food and even with the deliveries and all that stuff, they still made a lot of money. Obviously, you don't hire your 20 staff people or whatever you hire 10 and you have different shifts or whatever but people are getting used to that and then when do you reopen you say hey we still offer that convenience now now you're going to realize that it's like sometimes you feel like going to a restaurant i many times i'm not a big foodie or anything but when i go to a restaurant sometimes i go because i like that particular food not so much the restaurant the waiting the people the crowd whatever but some restaurants, if I could just order that restaurant upscale or good quality food that I like, whether it's a steak right. or and fish or something. Right, and what if you could order it, but the restaurant, you really like this restaurant when you visited Chicago, but now you don't live in Chicago and you want that food and they uh, sell it Yeah, but I don't know if I'm going to exchange or, or trade off the, uh, the freshness of what I like. It depends what you're eating. Yeah. Obviously, a steak is no. not going to be something well, that you can What am ship. I going to eat? But I mean, I, if I go to a restaurant, I have a, a good steak or good fish, good salmon, good this, good that, that is nice and juicy and just cooked, you know? So if somebody's going to ship it to me from Chicago, it's like, hmm, I don't care. If I'm going to have to put it in the microwave, that just basically kills everything. Well, I wouldn't put it in the microwave. Okay, it doesn't matter. Or, or in, the, in the stove or in the range or whatever. I mean, you are a big steak guy, uh, and, and you don't even like to wait half an hour after you make your steak before you eat it, do you? No, because it dries out. You well, basically it would get cold. Why would I wait half an hour after? I no, eat but steak? you don't like to reheat it or do anything. So no, of course you don't want to of reheat course. it. So you're gonna wait two days to have the best steak from anywhere, and then it just comes to you, and then that kind of uh, medium rare thing that you order. Okay. I'm telling you, this is gonna happen. If you don't agree, that's no. Fine, I, I but think I'm I, it you. will happen for I mean, some things, but I'm, I'm saying that this whole thing started because I think we need to get into. And my point was on the delivery that maybe you have an exception of a of a restaurant that's doing really well, but for the far majority of restaurants. DoorDash is either break even or money losing. I understand. 
But it's the same thing for hotels. We discussed this when they go through online travel agencies, so they yeah, book direct. Okay, book direct and safe. Yeah, of course. But I need, I need a travel agency to bring me the customer in the first place. If I pay thirty percent commission, but not for the difference with DoorDash. The difference with the online travel agencies. If I'm going to visit some city and I say, oh, okay, I need to find a hotel. I'm going to go to New York. I need to find a hotel in New York. Then yeah, that's easy to search. But a lot of times it's like, oh, I already know this restaurant. I already go there all the time. But I want it delivered. So it's not that they're bringing me new customers. I'm already a customer of that restaurant, but now I just need it delivered and they're giving a huge cut to do All right, so let me, let me go back to my original question. So if you, if you had a restaurant, a local restaurant that was fairly successful before all this happened and in a neighborhood that is basically local people, I mean, people only travel so far to go to a restaurant and you've been basically shut down for now and all of a sudden you start thinking, okay, I need to, hopefully you've been thinking for a while, but now you're reopening and getting back to normal, adjusting your restaurant layout for the 50% capacity or whatever. Um, how else do you supplement your income? Because you can uh, only get 50% of the people, which basically is not yeah, going to make okay, it profitable for do. you. I would do uh, delivery, but I have higher prices for delivery. And if people are willing to pay that, that's fine. If they're willing to pay higher price, that's fine. So my $20... So you're passing on to the customer yeah. your delivery cost. Yeah, so if it's... if it, if basically this meal that is on my menu is normally 20 bucks if you want delivery it's 25 and if they're willing to pay that that's fine um then I'm, i don't have a problem but if they are not then i also have takeout so people can just curbside pick up if they want to do that so in that case i don't need the delivery app because i'm getting all the money so they can do curbside pickup and like i said prepackaged meals offer it those are the three things i would do because then those three things will on top of now having 50% capacity will hopefully make up for the other 50% that I'm missing, basically. All right, okay. Um, so uh, moving on. So like you said, I think restaurants need to be creative in coming with everybody new, needs new to be creative. income streams. I mean, not just restaurants. I mean, I I actually feel for or memberships too, like you said, or like I like we many restaurants have been doing, and like we said a while back, is offer uh, to customers saying, hey, if you prepay, if you buy gift cards now. Uh, will basically give you, you know, if you buy a $100 gift card now, uh, it'll be worth $120 basically when you redeem it for meals down the road or something mm -hmm. like that. You know, restaurants are, you get creative, something basically. Yeah. Yeah, you can do some gift cards or some kind of uh, value added for the future, but the bottom line is that you won't. If you're a restaurant right now, your goal is for the next 12 months to stay open. And so if that means you basically a year from now are making less profits because you sold a bunch of gift cards for a uh, hundred bucks that are worth 120, that's okay because at least you're still open because you get that cash now. That's the point. But to get people to go to your restaurant, the main thing is to make sure that you're, or, or anywhere, let's forget restaurants, to get people to go to your business that is a physical retail type business, whether it's a service business like a restaurant or a hotel or a shop, store, whatever, boutique, you need to make sure that people feel comfortable, that they yeah. see that you have all the measures too, so they feel like it's healthy, you know, whether it's wearing, everybody wears masks, obviously gloves, there's like sanitizer over the place. Uh, I think I think all restaurants you have like, sanitizer more than salt, pepper or anything. I mean, this you have it not at the table. So they go there, you wipe off your stuff. I mean, just so people feel that they can feel clean, you know, and then, uh, you know, in the restaurant's case, you know, the, your waiter is uh, just coming with all, all the drinks and things sealed. You can order basically with your phone. You don't know how to contact touch menus or anything. I mean, everything needs to be much more contactless to make you feel comfortable. And then you live there and say, yeah, we had a great meal, you know, and, and it's fine. And then you feel comfortable the first time. And then the other restaurant seems like they still have this old grimy thing that they just reopened, but they didn't make any changes. And they put a little bit of sanitizer at the door and saying, okay, wash your hands before you leave or whatever. Then yeah, that's mean, not going to give me a lot for of... For the uh, dine-in, I would basically... They already do this as far as cleaning the tables, but disinfect the tables, not just wipe them down, but like actually disinfect right. the tables. Um uh, as far as drinks and stuff, yeah, I mean, we're probably gonna have to go back. I know people don't like to hear this environmentally, but like 
disposable cups and stuff like that. Like I don't want to. I don't want to drink out of a glass. Just give me a cup and then I'll throw it away when I'm done. Maybe it's not as environmentally friendly, but I'll take that over getting the virus. Maybe uh, bring your own straw or something like all these recyclable straws. Yeah. But one thing you, we're talking about the UV stuff. I mean, uh, one of the things that I, I read is that some of the hotels are coming with this kind of robots that go around the room with this UV light and they start kind of shining the light over all the stuff. This is kind of like a room service thing or, or housekeeping, but with light. So they kind of uh, do this kind of uh, light projection through the whole thing with this uh, UV. So um, I, I, it's just, I mean, they're going to have to invent something. They're going to have to make people feel comfortable that, I saw like that I said, there's the pandemic about the virus itself and the pandemic of the fear where... I saw that clothing retailers were going to basically... And I don't know how this is going to work, how they're not going to run out of inventory, but uh, they were going to do if people try something on, then that goes into the back. And then basically no one can touch that piece of clothing for 24 hours, basically. So it's not like you try it on, put it back in the shelf, someone else tries it on and you have four people touching the same thing. They're going to put it in the back for 24 hours and then put it back out. And it's like, OK, but you're going to run out of stuff pretty quickly. Uh, but that's what they were planning on doing. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how else they can treat the clothing or maybe put it through. Well. I said that they should get UV machines. Basically, yeah. put the clothing through UV right. in the back or something. Now, obviously, that's not something they just have. So they're going to have to go buy UV machines or I something. I wonder, I mean, like, you know, they, they said the sun uh, kills the virus. Yeah, um, the U- UV Sunlight, does. but I wonder, I wonder if, uh, like, this, you know, like the tanning salons, this, this best that they use... If it's UV, like you can put it like lay down their clothing there. UV or not? If they, if it's UV, it works. It needs to be right, UV. right. Um, I mean, UV has been used for a long time right. as a disinfectant, mm-hmm. uh, way before this. Right. It it does kill bacteria and stuff. So um, now, obviously, I don't know what the uh, global supply of UV lights is, but I'm sure it's probably going to have a shortage too, just like everything else, if people yeah. start buying it. But yeah. So it's funny because. I was looking at companies that have done well during this crisis. I just said before at the beginning of the podcast that the NASDAQ index is actually positive for the year as of today, and we're recording this on May 7th, uh, which is incredible, meaning that all the tech companies are doing very well in the midst of the pandemic and all that. And uh, so you have companies like Zoom, that which everybody's using these days for, for video conferencing stuff, and then Microsoft, obviously, with Teams and everything that is a uh, uh, tech company too. Facebook, Amazon, those come. Yeah, I mean, it. obviously, communications platforms are going to do well. Right. But as far as, like, retailers and D2C, uh, the ones that have done really well, Nike's done really well. Nike has it, been one of the most aggressive in e-commerce of all the major brands. So even though all their stores are closed, they're doing fine. Lululemon has done phenomenally well. Peloton they, is done great too. Yeah, Peloton, obviously, because everybody's, uh, everybody's working out from home now. Right. Uh, Rogue Fitness, which is one of the biggest. The one that is uh, like an outlier is Tesla. Tesla has done great. Really? And, and um, uh, it's just like, a, it's always been a cult. But uh, for some reason, Tesla Motors is done actually very well as far as um, their stocks. So... Uh, Beyond Meat now is doing very well too, and that's uh, mostly because there's a shortage of uh, uh, meat in some places now, and and some uh, people are starting to go to the uh, meat alternative. So, um, but I was thinking, you know, talking about hotels and all that stuff, I'm thinking, if if these hotels provide all these amenities with the companies that are actually doing well, like they say, okay, well, you come to a hotel and you can still have your Zoom conference and you can use Netflix and you can use... We have a peloton in your room. You have all these things, so you don't have to go to the exercise room. Um, you know they were already doing that. That peloton was already partnering with hotels before this to right. get pelotons across the country mm-hmm. uh, in hotels. Right. Because I'm if sure I go there, I mean, I'd love to. If I have one in my room, it's like perfect. I don't need to go. I to I don't the, know if uh, it was going to be room. one in every room. That right. would be ridiculously expensive. I but they're going to have the gyms with pelotons. Yes, uh, but again, that's the wiping and the person that was before you and all that stuff and you know things like that. So, but um, there, there's a lot of things that um, obviously some hotels, like I said, or some businesses will be able to adapt faster than others. But hopefully. Uh, like I said, I mean, it's, it's, it's how many or how quickly people will feel comfortable getting back to their normal lives, you know, and, and the flights and everything. Um, so, I don't know. It's interesting. That what is, what is uh, you know, sad, actually, is that there's a lot of misinformation. I mean, you try to follow everything <clears throat> as far as how things are going. And at this point, I think there's little information as far as 
you know, uh, how impacting the virus could be in the future, how much better it's getting. Each country. I just think people don't know. Well, I just think people have their narratives one way or the other. When you say people, you mean governments or you mean people? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I just think they don't know. And I think that different governments and people who uh, voice their opinions, whether they be politicians or media or whatever, I just think everybody has their own narratives and agendas. And so whatever uh, basically confirms their bias is what they're going to go with. So if you're in the group that's, oh, we need to reopen the economy. Uh, then anything that shows that this virus is not as bad as it seems, you're going to be jumping all over. Or if you're one of the people who says, no, we need to stay locked down, then any little piece of evidence that shows, oh, this is we're going to have a bad second wave or whatever, you're going to jump all over. Like, it's just everyone has their own agendas. And it, it seems to me that, like, unfortunately, almost like everything, there's a huge polarization where, like, I don't think, I think that there's that personally i'm very much in the middle of i'm not on the total this is a scam this is a hoax this is all lies we should reopen everything blah blah that's ridiculous obviously this is not a scam or a hoax but then the other people who say we need to stay locked down for another three months we can't reopen anything it's like well you're gonna destroy the economy so i think that there's a middle ground there but it almost seems like at, at least as far from a a kind of a media standpoint and a political standpoint, people have to be like on one side or the other. And it's but so I think, polarized. I think, when I think the answer is in the middle. I, I, only th- I think that people that are more comfortable because they get stimulus checks and unemployment and all that stuff, and they say, hey, why go back to work if I'm getting my money now and just basically being home and all that stuff? Those are the ones that are more... Yeah, but that's short-sighted. I, it is. It is short-sighted. I understand. And they say, okay, yeah, be, I'll go back to work once Because what my- happens if the company that basically... Uh, you used to work for that you think, oh, well, I'm just not going to go back to work for another extra month or two. Guess what? They might not exist in a month or two. There might be no job well, for I you understand. to go back to. I understand. Or your job. I mean, if, if, I, if I call you back saying, okay, we're ready to get started, and you say, no, I don't want to go back. I'm afraid of this and that. And then it's like, okay, well, I'm going to have to hire somebody else instead right. of you. You know, so, so then you're going to collect unemployment with extra bonus for the next couple of weeks. And then after that, you're going to be really on your own. You know, so, but... I think everybody that with with you know a little brain will agree that you can only shut down the economy and live off of uh, printed money basically for so long. And every government in the world is printing money now to keep things going, whether it's bailouts or or you know incentives to people uh, or families and all that stuff, which is fine. This thing just came out of a surprise and nobody expected it. And you need to keep the economy going and the consumers, but you can give people money, but they don't have a way to spend the money, you know, or they cannot go out or they cannot go out to a restaurant. They cannot go out to a movie. They cannot go out, drive, whatever. So at some point people say, I just want to be sure or be comfortable going out again to my normal activities, knowing that I'm not going to get, you know, killed or whatever by, by the virus. Uh, so the virus is the virus. I mean, I think some people are more, will be more affected than others, which normally is the same people that will be affected by any other kind of virus too. Um, but at some point you need to just say, okay, we need to start. Once you get the hospital situation under control and the equipment and the testing and the uh, management of the situation, I think um, you say, okay, this is a known risk. And then we're going to continue to go because the rewards are going to be much better, you know. So I agree that at, at this point, uh, may uh, all the faces that the governments in different countries are coming up with, we're saying, okay, we're going to do this, make sure that we meet these requirements, and then we're going to continue. And then, yeah, of course, there's going to be an, another phase. There's going to be another flu season, and there will be a flu slash COVID-19 season in the fall. But then hopefully we'll be more ready, you know. And we'll, we'll know already what we're expecting, and we have more equipment, we have more... Um, respirators and ventilators and all that stuff that yeah, we're I mean, basically... Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is if everyone wears masks when they go out, if we have wide testing, which still hasn't fully happened yet, right? Um, then things will be pretty I mean, ideally, I mean, ideally, I don't know how difficult it is. Um, obviously, it might be difficult. But I would love to go to uh, my local pharmacy or drugstore or something and buy a little test, like a pregnancy test, like I said, which is the... And I put like a little prick of blood or saliva or whatever which they're coming up with and then say okay i'm fine yeah i mean the biggest thing is testing and, and i if travel if, if, and if then everyone, i come back it's like okay i don't have the virus if everyone is basically wearing masks when they go out and then we have testing then 
the spread is going to be much, much, much lower. And the second wave will be much more controlled. But if we have a, if we just start going out and people are really nonchalant about wearing masks and gloves, and then we still don't have wide testing, then that is what's going to potentially cause a second lockdown because then you'll have a mass spread again. That's the problem. That's the danger. Mm -hmm. I think the two biggest things that I'm looking at are one, what does the second wave look like? We know there's going to be a second wave. We just don't know how bad it's going to be. Uh, and then two, the other thing that I think less people are talking about that more should be is what are the longer term side effects of getting the virus? Yeah. Because there's lots of signs that, oh, even once you're fine and you recover, that there's longer term side effects. And we just don't know yet because we don't have enough data. We don't have enough experience. Mm -hmm. So those are the things. Because if all of a sudden, if imagine if all of a sudden they say, yeah, you get it and you recover. But then a few months later, uh, something ha bad happens to you or you get really sick again, I think that changes people's... Because I think a lot of people who want to reopen are saying, okay, if I get it, I'll be sick for a week and then I'll be fine. Maybe not. We don't know that. That's the thing. We don't know that. Um, mm -hmm. So those are the things I'm looking at. And we, I, I don't have an answer. We just don't know. We're going to have to see. I don't think anybody has but an I answer. Think, even, even when you look at headlines and stuff, they say one thing now, they discover something else. Now they say that there's another strain of the uh, virus that might be even There's worse. always going to be different strains. Viruses right. do that. Viruses <clears> adapt. But uh, I don't know. I think masks and testing is the answer, really. If you have wide testing and everybody wears masks, then we should be able to keep it under good control. You don't even need test and trace. You just need test. You don't need the trace part. Yeah, the trace part is another one that is uh, controversial, but it's being reviewed by a lot of countries yeah. as far as how could it be done and all that stuff. So I know it's a, it's a sensitive topic for you. I don't want to get into it, but um, there's going to be some kind of... Uh, should be a sensitive topic for everybody. It is. It is. I mean, it, it is because, I mean, there's some... I mean, we got we had that. We discussion. had a whole conversation yeah, last I know, week. I you know. can watch so, that episode. So it's not about... Yeah, it's just basically some kind of tracing to... Uh, on the research side but anyways that's a whole different deal so um uh, okay well that's um that pretty much covers everything that we have for today anything you'd like to um add to this uh, podcast no i don't know what we're gonna be able to record next week i'm actually speaking of traveling i'm supposed to uh, i'm scheduled to be in texas actually in austin with uh, uh with a, a racing event with a car so um well texas is wide open they i know they're just going to shoot the virus. They say yeah, the we have our guns. Very, uh, if we very, see uh, the virus, we're just open-minded. So um, I'll be uh, wearing a mask, a helmet, a balaclava, a fire suit, everything. So hopefully I'll be good um, if they don't cancel it. I mean, it's, so far it's open. So I'll be maybe, I mean, I'll be there from probably Wednesday, Thursday next week until Sunday. And then uh, we'll resume. So maybe we can record one on Wednesday. I'm not sure. Uh, do one early one, or maybe a, a shorter one with any uh, latest news. But um, I'm sure we'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll get something. There's always a lot of stuff going on. It's actually, I'm actually always optimistic, and I think this is opening a lot of opportunities for. Oh, the, the biggest opportunity is, you know, my, my whole point of this article that we started with, the, and the reason I wrote it was, yeah, all these retailers are going under, and that's these retailers that basically are at risk of bankruptcy and closing thousands of stores. Last year in 2019, did hundreds of billions in revenue and all of that is going to be replaced mm -hmm. and it's going to be replaced by e-com companies and that's right. the opportunity so it's it's uh, it's like everything there's always winners and losers and these companies were already on the downhill and this basically just threw them off the cliff this is this is what i was just telling another customer one of our clients yesterday i said this is the time we're being agile and being able to pivot on a dime and making quick yeah. adjustments really counts. It's always important, but then in a crisis is when it matters right. the most. Because you are managing an aircraft carrier, it's going to be super hard for you to make a turn. It's still going to be like planned, and by the time you do it, then you need to turn again, and you'll never catch up. You need to be a speedboat right now. You need to be super fast, making quick changes, and adjusting because this is a great opportunity for the smaller brands. And we're talking about the advertising costs, which is a whole different topic. But uh, um, you can really promote your brand and sell directly to consumers much better now because all these big dinosaur monsters out there are going to be gone or we're going to be hurting. And they're not, they don't even have the infrastructure to adjust. So now it's going to be like uh, weeding out all these 
old stuff and then letting the new brands basically succeed and this is your your opportunity to 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 shine and this is actually what is exciting for us because we work with so many startups and DTC brands and e-commerce and all that that is is really um um exciting actually so i'm very uh very optimistic about future stuff so all right guys well that's it for me uh david thanks you for uh joining me hopefully your um ugly drink uh has some effects i'm not sure if you feel uh any more perky or not see i already drank a coffee before it so i probably should have just had it with no caffeine in my system but yeah anyways, okay i'll give my review next week all right well guys thanks for everything um we'll be back next week hopefully for a short one maybe a little earlier and until then everybody had a great week and um goodbye everybody see ya